This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. I'm Antoine Ray, and I will be your host today for this Global Ambition podcast episode. And today, my guest is Jean-François Van Roussel, who is the Director of Globalization at Adobe. The topic today is the localization function evolution from an internal to an external focus at Adobe. Jean-François, welcome to the program. Hello, Antoine. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Great. And we'll, we'll dive uh, straight in. And um, you've been around for a while, we can say. And so has Adobe, I guess, you know, in our, in, in our little circle of localization people. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about the evolution of the localization function at Adobe since its inception. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've been at Adobe for 23 years. So it's been a, a long ride. And, uh, a spring chicken, a spring chicken. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, and it, it's been great, you know, for my own development. And it's been great to observe how Adobe has grown up, of course, as, uh, as a much bigger company. When I joined Adobe, we were about maybe 2,000 employees, and now we're about 25,000 employees. We were, you know, at that time, it was just a handful of key products that people know, like Acrobat and Illustrator and Photoshop. But now our portfolio, of course, has grown much more, and we have probably about 100, you know, more than 100 products now that we deliver. And so it's been, you know, it's been fantastic to work with the company and, and to really see how localization has evolved. We had to evolve with the product things, you know, along the way. So can you tell us what that evolution looks like? You know, you had to get close to the product team, I presume, to internationalization and other different functions there? Yeah, you know, I think initially it was interesting because like on a product like Photoshop, we were putting like maybe five, six localization engineers initially and that was because you know uh, the internationalization was not uh, optimal at that time and then over time you know you you really and initially you really offer what i would call a white glove service so you really allow each product team to be to do their own way a little bit but as you grow and as you become more scalable you know you really need to build stronger standards and that means that you're going to develop a standard tool set, you know, a stronger infrastructure, uh, standard practices, the different formats and so forth. And without pushing for those standards, then it's becoming really hard to support many product teams. So, so I think through the evolution, we've really learned into building a much stronger infrastructure, but also pushing and promoting best practices to all the product teams so that it makes it easier on the localization team. And do you, in this case, like when you're working with those teams, do you influence them as to what kind of standard they should be putting in place or which which way does the wind go? Yeah, uh, well, like I said, initially, you know, we were maybe too nice with them. Right. And that's maybe a lesson learned, you know. So, but after that, one good program that we put together was the globalization report card. And it really provides a set of requirements that all the product teams have to meet. And if they don't meet those requirements, they get a low score. And then what was very interesting with this program is that we, of course, we display it to everyone so that product team doesn't like to be the last and uh, the worst student in the, in the room. So there's a little bit of a gamification effect here and a competition among the product teams. And that has really helped all the product teams to raise the level of internationalization, awareness and endorsing best practices. You know? so, so it's a great program for us. 
Did that mean under a certain score they wouldn't get localized at all or they weren't ready for localization? You know, we, did, we didn't go that far. Sometimes we would still try to localize it, uh, the products, but we know it's more painful. But uh, certainly there's some negotiation going on with all the product teams to make sure that their score gets higher. And uh, I don't think any product was really to the level where we couldn't do anything. You know, you still want to be a good partner with the product teams, you know, so it's the fine line. In an organization that is probably heavy on the product engineering side in terms of political power. That, that's right. That's right. I mean, globalization, at least on our side, is initially at least, and, and still I think today, is definitely seen as a service organization where you support all the product teams. And, um, and so, so, you know, you, you, you want to make sure they're happy. Yeah, I had a conversation earlier on today with uh, Teresa Marshall, and we talked about how do you not become a language ticketing system? You know, how do you uh, become the queen as opposed to Cinderella, for instance? You know? That's right. So, That's right. <laughs> okay. And I, I presume along with that comes a lot of standardization we talked about, but also a lot of uh, automation with uh, CICD as well, I guess. Yes. So, you know, I think over the years, I mean, it's interesting because when I joined Adobe, we were dealing with spreadsheets, right? The translations were sent uh, via spreadsheets. And, and so we had to build really a lot mm -hmm. of much stronger infrastructure. And now we really have something which is which has been running for probably 15 years uh, as, a, as a good platform. And CICD really exacerbated the problem of scalability, I guess, right? So you, you have to support many more releases and much faster. And that made it impossible at that point to have no automation. You, you don't have a choice, you know? And I think what's interesting with CICD is uh, the fact that now you can really integrate localization upstream in, the, in that CICD framework. So at Adobe, we call CICLCD. And so anytime there's a build process initiated by a co-engineer, it will automatically trigger all the localization leverage and you know, all the localization functions so that that engineer can get directly access to localized versions, you know. And that's necessary in this environment because now, you know, engineers are releasing features, if not on daily basis, at least on weekly basis, you know. And beyond the evolution of the team in terms of size and uh, the processes of technology, did you also have a change in the reporting structure, like or you remained part of the uh, product engineering team? For us at Adobe, we've always been reporting pretty much up to the CTO. And so we, we uh, not directly to the CTO, at least these days, mm -hmm. but uh, it's always been like a shared organization you know, where it's really seen as a center of excellence, if you will. Um, and, and so... Because you're supporting other groups as well, right? And we support other groups, yeah, that's right, yeah. And so, so we support all the product teams, but uh, we're not part of a business unit. And, and I believe some, some companies may be in that situation where they, they are part of the business unit. For us, we support business units, but we, we report it to the CTO. And so for years, like you, you take an organization from a started up environment to a large multinational, like you've described, and there's a very much internal focus to bring that part of the organization to a very much optimized level, I guess, of service and structure there, to then the second phase where it's moving to an external uh, focus in helping clients and with their international data. 
Yeah, so that, that's been an interesting uh, transformation for us. So, you know, uh, after a while, your infrastructure and a new internationalization for the products is not becoming the problem anymore. I mean, you've, you've resolved those issues and it takes maybe 10 years, 15 years to get there. Right. But then after that, you know, what you start to look at is how can you build translation features within your product to help your own customers, you know? And for us, for example, at Adobe, we, we build such features in AEM. And uh, so Adobe Experience Manager. And then some of our customers can trigger uh, translation workflows from Adobe Experience Manager. And so we try to, to make it easy on them so that their content gets localized. That's been an interesting experience for us. And then there are other things like on, uh, on user forums, for example, we would have more like NLP features, which would uh, maybe do spam filtering in different languages or sentiment analysis features that are built in the products. And the challenge for the globalization team now, or the internationalization challenge for the globalization team is how do you make those spam filters, sentiment analysis engines, how do you make them global, you know, and uh, to make sure that they not only just work for English content, but they also work across all languages. And in that case, in that journey, do you involve external teams like the clients themselves directly into developing those features or how do you decide which features and how you do this? So definitely for the, when you build your own translation workflows, so we were interacting with a lot of clients and, and that was actually fun for the globalization team because you don't necessarily always interact with, with customers. So this was a great opportunity for us to, to interact with them. And then uh, for other features, sometimes, yeah, so when it was for the sentiment analysis functionalities, then you would, you would have a client and you would, you would get feedback from them and understand maybe where the sentiment analysis engine doesn't perform well and then how we can train it better so that it kind of like machine translation. So it's more customized to, to the type of content that they get. And so, so yeah, so it's a little bit of a, a more customer-oriented approach, for sure. Okay. So was that sort of an extension of your machine translation program that moved into the NLP and AI things for clients? Actually, it was, no, not really, I would say. It's, uh, it, was, it was still two different teams, and, uh, and it was just, I think at that time, you know, the NLP was becoming big, and, and you know, AI started to emerge a little bit, and so, so we started to see some use cases within the product where, the English team was developing those NLP capabilities and we're like, okay, how are we going to make sure that this will support the different languages? And so that meant you had to develop also different relationship internally with the different teams that have access to the clients directly to work with them? That's right. Yeah. So you had to do that and, and get data. Uh, sometimes, you know, working with the clients, you, you get uh, their data and, uh, and try to see which languages they need to support and then try to build, you know, the right engines for them. Right. Cool. Well, listen, this is a kind of a very interesting evolution from like an internal focus to really an externally driven focus towards uh, your clients. And thanks for sharing this uh, with us. I'm sure our listeners would be very interested. I will ask you one last question is that you've been on this program now, you know, the, the format and the length of it is pretty short as well and quite actionable content for our listeners. Is there someone that come to mind that would be beneficial for the listeners, if he or she could join the program. So who would I nominate here um, <laughs> for, for the, you know, for this program? You know, I think there are a lot of, of great people out there 
but I'm, I'm thinking uh, Jenny Kang, you know, who works at Veritas, could be a great participant. I think Jenny has done a lot of great work at Veritas as well. So that's the enterprise, a little bit more the enterprise world. I don't know Jenny, so I'd love, you know, to have her on the program. And I'm sure, like, I'll, I'll trust you that she's done some interesting things that hopefully she'll be willing to share with us. Well, listen, Jean-Francois, thanks very much for joining our program. I'm sure our listeners will be looking forward to this episode with you. And we look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Okay. Thank you so much, Antoine. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.